welcome to another episode where we will be sharing poems, stories, discussions and an update on my never-ending quest for finding out how to say, please daddy, can we have a Brexit extension in all the different European languages? Because honestly, the government ain't doing shit, so I guess it's up to me and I gotta use what I've got, you know what I mean? Delights are flying through the night Over airwaves I adore you Nails searching for the skin of your spine Tell me I won't wake without you Beauty blossoms from your body Reaching every inch of me Enchanted and empowered All yours Kissing until my insecurities are badges of pride Missing you before you've even gone. Yearning for my muse. Helpless to the heavenly hell of you. Every way that I want you. All the time. Relentlessly. Tell me that I won't wake without you. To paraphrase everybody's least favourite drag race all-stars guest judge I'm really into acrostics right now (laughs) I did a lot of them when I was writing 27 um and I've just really gotten into them again with this new book um it's a really good way to kind of um well, for me anyway, um, to to get around writer's block because I'll kind of write out the key message that I'm trying to um, to convey and to weave into what I'm writing. And then it helps me because it gives me starting points, you know. Um, and also it's fun to challenge myself and find new ways to use language and to play around with things and see what fun and exciting words I can come up with that I wouldn't normally use so it's been really fun to explore what a lot of people would probably see as kind of a basic way of writing and showing that it doesn't have to be basic. And so was I, subconsciously. I was searching for safety, waiting at the edge of eternity for something I wouldn't recognise until it was too late and I was too dependent. I found you in blue forests, lost in my loneliness. My loneliness became my friend. She was jealous and anxious, unable to let me go in case I preferred life without her. And now that I'm yours completely, I understand her completely. Some days, when I'm yours and I see myself through your eyes in the fair weather glass of my bathroom mirror, I think that maybe you stopped waiting because you found me. But some days, I'm still lost with my old friend and her envious, poisonous whispers. 
I wrote a song based on that kind of um for the new album and I thought it meant I was gonna have to delay it but I won't which is really good um but <laughs> I am kind of annoyed with myself though because it's now like my favorite one um and I did I had like plans and shit I was like I I've got the song that I want to release it's like the first single and I'm gonna do a music video and it's gonna be really fun and now I'm like questioning it like no I have this new shiny nice song I want to do instead <laughs> so uh shout out to me for being indecisive as usual um but I was just kind of thinking about like um how a person adapts from living in one existence wanting something different wanting something new but then when they get it they're like oh what is this oh this is very different I am confused um and how that kind of um, is handled and reflected in the real world. How you can try and deal with that. Um, when you spend so long looking for something. And then you finally find it. And it's the way that you imagined and it's the way that you wanted it to be sometimes even better than that but <laughs> you're still living in that mindset of not having it and so you don't really know how to how to accept your own happiness it's weird life is unusual I've been having a lot of like really like hyper-realistic dreams recently which is weird because um that normally only happens to me like every now and again but it's like a constant thing recently which is good in some ways because it gives me lots of ideas and lots of imagery that I can use and work with which is very helpful um but <laughs> um I think you see I don't know anything really about science and shit but I I don't know I have a theory I think maybe it's because I'm getting like not like oodles of sleep like it's quite interrupted like I wake up kind of every couple of hours and so I think um Maybe it's not so much that the dreams are, like, super, like, real and vivid. But it's more just I remember them more clearly. Um, but it's helpful because it gives me, it gives me things to, to write about and ideas, which is really cool. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and they all seem to be pretty nice and pretty happy. So I, I cannot, I cannot complain.
it's all good, you know, because I've learned to live with the bed of knives that I fall into every night when you conclude that my time in the clouds is done. I've started to say every time you say nothing at all that I'm just going through phases and stages on the road to being okay with whatever happens. Swinging in the park, grass swaying in the distance as the sirens of my latest home ring out. Because I'm not content until I am toiling and troubled. So of course I return to the same places, avoiding how my face glows when I think of you. um just having like a little moment like a little dramatic moment earlier um I was listening to Mark Owen his solo stuff it 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 really is that bitch like sorry to Gary Barlow but you know let's be real here Mark was the real introspective genius of the band um Anyways, so I was listening to that and um, just having a little dramatic moment. I think I've actually talked about this briefly before, but I used to, when I was a kid, I used to sit in the park listening to Mark Owen and like basically being a sad bitch and, you know, just kind of really embracing how depressed I was because that's a very normal and healthy way to deal with it, of course. And I still do that in adulthood, you know, it's just... um, you know, you can't really go to the park in the middle of the night, so (laughs) I was just sat in my garden, really, um, and then I started listening to, like, some of the other stuff he's done, and, um, I just kind of really got a lot of ideas, so I took, um, the the line it's all good you know it's from a a song by take that and I was like I really want to build on that and create something so I kind of just built up this narrative of kind of taking those times when I would sit in the park um feeling like nobody understood me and oh I'm I'm so tormented by the universe and I'm so young and in love and nobody understands my pain um and just kind of uh creating this this built-up scenario and I guess kind of showing my past self hey somebody understands but she's like decades in the future and and sharing your teen angst with the internet hope that's okay Love you. Okay, so because I said I would on Instagram, (laughs) I'm going to play like a small little bit of each song from the new album because who's going to stop me? My record label? I think the fuck not, bitch. I 
I wrote that about my ex-boyfriend who was like fixated with the idea of like making me laugh and shit like it got to him that I didn't find him very funny I did sometimes but not often and I think it really troubled him (laughs) um so that's unfortunate you know I mean, RIP to his hopes and dreams of being a comedian, but I'm different, so yikes. I had to put in some dramatic rain sounds because you know how I am. You know, I, I played that to my mother the other day and I I described it to her as <laughs> it's 2am, you're listening to the radio, they're playing like sad stuff for people who can't sleep. That was the vibe I was going for. And she looked at me and she said, you nailed it. And I was like, see, it was worth carrying me in your uterus for several months. How about that? Um <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was kind of about, like, reluctance, um, in terms of, um, opening yourself to joy. I talk a bit later in the project about how that feels from, like, my side, but that's, like, from the other side, and I'm trying to, like, coax the person into, like, being happy. This might sound familiar because I used this instrumental for a video a while back. And I can't play too much of this one because it's really short. (laughs) Like, honestly, it's like a minute long. Um, It's a very short song. um, Because I was like, fuck standard song structures. I do what I want, right? Um, So... (laughs) Uh, that was, is kind of about the fleetingness of life and, you know, how you really have to love somebody when you can, because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but like in a really chill kind of way. <laughs> um, oh, this one has a spoken intro, she's different. Yeah, she has a spoken intro. She's different. Um, That's the one uh, that I wrote recently and I'm thinking about, like, making it the lead single. Which is annoying because I have plans for other things. But, you know, my artistic heart wants what it wants. Um, (laughs) 
but yeah, that's kind of about, um, you know, adapting to liking people, which has been a journey for me, let me tell you. Um, this one is really different to a lot of things I've done before, but I kind of like it. And again, I can't play too much because it's really short. <laughs> like seriously some of the like track links on this girl anyway that one I think depending on where I place this segment in terms of episode order <laughs> um I think I talk a bit more in detail about this later but I I wrote a poem based on this because I wrote the song and I liked it and then I didn't have anything to go with it so uh this is the last one uh, it's got a very on-brand title and you'll see what I mean when I finally release it. It's very different to the rest of the album as well, actually. It's very... Um, she's different, you know? story about that song um I I originally wrote it as like this kind of indie almost kind of uh like soft rock song like it sounded completely different in earlier versions of it and I was like you know what you know what bitch I I want this to be fun and cute I'm changing it up. And so I did. Um, <laughs> uh, those last two tracks are bonus tracks on the deluxe edition. Um, there's one other song that was going to be on it, but I cut it because I didn't, I just, I really didn't like how it sounded like at all. I mean, there were bits that I really liked, but not enough for me to just sort of put it on on the, the album. But Maybe I'll redo it one day, I don't know. Um, and because I get a lot of emails and questions about this, I should let you know now. <laughs> Dream Serene is not on this album. It's probably not going to be on any album. I get a lot of comments about that song. I It's my own fault. I never should have um, talked about it on social media and stuff if I wasn't sure I was going to release it, that was probably a mistake, but I just, I've never got around to finishing that song, and I don't know if I will, because I started writing it, like, almost a year ago at this point, so sorry to all the people who are waiting for that, because it's probably not ever going to happen now. <laughs> um, maybe one day, I don't know. Street. Sure.
Who remembers Steve from the first series of X Factor? No? You know, Steve. Steve, come on, you know Steve. Okay, nobody knows Steve. G4 should have won. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> Steve from the first series of X Factor, um, now that his music career has completely failed, has sort of rebranded himself as this, like, sort of crazed guy on social media. If you'd like to hear his latest hot take, um, this was on Friday uh, after a, a horrific terrorist attack in London um, in which two people sadly lost their lives and there were members of the public who very bravely intervened to try to stop the attacker. What did Big Steve have to say? False flags happen and we must never assume anything. <sighs> okay. Okay. I mean, he's got plenty of other hot takes. Just the other day, he tweeted some really weird, gross thing about Pretty Patel, Joe Swinson and Angela Rayner in some kind of weird male sort of gaze, porn adult weird fantasy that I think was his attempt of saying he wasn't going to vote Lib Dem or Tory. But I mean, he could just say that without weird graphic imagery of sexual assault. But there we are. Um, but what I'm really kind of sick of is every single time there is an attack like this, a tragedy like this, there's always some guy or person on social media who is convinced it's some big conspiracy. And I just... I've had enough. Okay, I, I get it. People like to delve into conspiracy theories. It's fun. But I think sometimes people forget, maybe because social media is so immediate, they forget that these are things that, you know, people could see right away. For example, families of the victims um the survivors of of these kinds of attacks um you know they can fucking see you on on twitter theorizing that actually they're a crisis actor or that the whole thing was smoke and mirrors to like you know help the government or you know distract people from something or whatever they they can fucking see you and I just, I just, I think it, it shows a lack of, you know, empathy. And I think it's very self-absorbed, you know, wanting to look for 
some fun little conspiracy mystery at a time when people are suffering and they're going through one of the most traumatic things imaginable. And all you want to do is make it about this big, you know, conspiracy for you to solve. It just, I don't know, it just seems very selfish and inconsiderate to me, you know. I mean, those are real people's lives. And you're just sitting there picking it apart and, you know... I think as well, one of the things, a lot of the time when you see people talking about you know, these false flags and whatever, a lot of it is just that they don't understand a lot about how people react in those kinds of situations. For example, one of the big things you always see is they were interviewed straight after and they didn't really show much emotion, they didn't look upset or scared. Most most people react to things in different ways. You can't predict how you're going to react in a situation like that. And a lot of the time, people are in shock in these moments. So they're not going to act exactly how you'd imagine. It's not going to be like the movies, you know. So, you know, if someone isn't sort of in floods of tears as they're being interviewed, you know, or maybe they nervously laugh or something like that, it's, it's, it's a reaction to the trauma they have just faced and people react in different ways. It doesn't mean that it's all fake. It doesn't mean that they're an actor. It probably just means they are in shock after going through one of the most traumatising things a person can go through. And so, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, to me, this whole false flag narrative, it just looks like people looking for things that aren't there. They're looking for a way to make a horrible tragedy fit with their own agenda. And I just think that's very selfish and very immature. Am I surprised that, you know, some washed up guy from a reality show who honestly seems to see conspiracy wherever he goes because this isn't even the first thing he's like been convinced about like he's got all these conspiracies about you know everybody in the media industry being after him and all this other kind of stuff um it may be true that the producers of the x factor you know and maybe even his record label were against him but the idea that everybody is after him is a bit much because he's not really that important in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, you know, just the, the widespread narrative of it, you know, like on Twitter tonight, I've seen people that to me, for the most part, seem rational. And they're, they're getting caught up in this shit too. And I'm like... Girl, what are you doing? Stop this nonsense. Come off it. Like, I I hate the government as much as the next guy. But I do not think, as little as I think of Boris Johnson, I do not think he has it in him to have members of the public murdered 
to create a narrative of him as a big hero, especially as it doesn't actually make him look like a big hero. Because what a lot of people are saying is if there hadn't been police cuts, if there hadn't been, you know, cuts to, you know, prevention programs and things like that, this may not have happened. Nothing in this has made Boris Johnson look like a big hero. If anything, it's made him look even more of a twat. Um, so I don't see how this benefits him. Um, I just... And why why would the attacker be willing to die to make Boris Johnson look good? What's in it for them? You know what I mean? It just doesn't... It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense at all for this to be something to benefit the government. So... And that's the narrative people were running with, though. I could understand if they had some other mysterious benefactor that apparently, you know, would have planned this. But they don't. They all keep saying it's the government. And I'm like, but it doesn't benefit the government. So your your theory makes no sense. I just think people should be a lot more sensible and think before they go vomiting conspiracy ramblings on the internet, especially with the fast-paced digital era that we're now in, which means that the survivors, uh, the victims, their families and friends could see that. Just be sensible with the platform you're given. In the interests of being fair to Big Steve, because it appears nobody else is, um, I I did misremember about his weird tweet about women the other day. I thought he was talking about Joe Swinson. Um, I don't know why I thought that, because nobody else is. But um, uh, the tweet was actually this. The physically attractive Pretty Patel and Rachel Riley dressed in biodegradable black PVC bodysuits, wearing strap-ons and holding down the lovely Angela Rayner. Nope. Still not interested. Horrible women. Very normal. Very cool. I... <laughs> I mean, I, I guess when he's got nothing else going on, this is where his mind goes. You hate to see it. Are you looking for a platform where you can have your voice heard? Find your home and find your voice on Rumble brand new video platform where you can share your thoughts, express your passions and find like-minded people and creators. Download Rumble from the App Store or visit rumble.me to find out more. out my regrets so I have room to regress to a place where I'd not been punished simply for hoping and dreaming. It's not that easy though is it? I know that you're not the echo that I sing to myself to avoid and yes I know that I have to believe things can be different. Opening up my arms, my mind, my heart and soul but 
They're all standing before me, scrutinizing my stupidity as I walk away from the safety of solitude because they've done this before. That one actually came directly from a song that I wrote. Um, so the project that I'm doing is going to be coming out in February. Um, it's like an album and a collection of poems all together and they share like similar themes and journeys and so on and so forth. And so with that album, it's like I was adapting poems into songs, right? Um, but then I just wrote this song out of nowhere. Um, called Closer to Madness and it it didn't really um, resonate particularly with any anything that I had written um, like already in the book or anything so I ended up writing something to go with it um, and I, I <laughs> It was it was very illuminating, but also kind of um, scary to have to confront that in myself and to have to say, you know, I am about to do something that could be crazy to to trust somebody else with myself essentially which is something I wasn't really interested in doing as a, as a concept um, but I wanted to you know I, I wanted to to take that risk I wanted to I needed to know if you know if there was anything possible it turns out there is which is great news um (laughs) but it was it was genuinely scary to let go of my preconceived ideas of how it was going to be um the fear that I had and to say you know what this person it's like I, I I think I said about this last week as well. This person is not, you know, the people that I have known before. I cannot judge them by the standards set by other people. I have to place myself back in a in a time in which I, I I can live and I can I can try things and give people a chance to surprise me in a positive way instead of just being sure all the time that it's gonna be negative. And it's terrifying but it can have really good results. So <laughs> it's just reaching that point. The most annoying part is so um <laughs> I ended up not using the song. I mean, I did. It's on. It's going to be on the... Um, it'll be a bonus track on the deluxe edition. But I, 
so you know I went through all that you know confronting my own feelings and emotions and then I ended up not not really using the song but um it's fine because those are the risks you take when you take risks right fuck is going on with this whole election business regret to inform you that Michael Gove is back at it again um he oh god he gave us some high cringe content on twitter.com this week um it initially started um because Stormzy who is a rapper um endorsed Jeremy Corbyn in the election and Michael Gove had a problem with that and he said he is a far far better rapper than he is a political analyst I mean Michael Gove doesn't know Stormzy's life to be honest like how the fuck does he know you know like apparently now if you're in the entertainment industry, you're not allowed to have political opinions. You just have to shut up and obey the government or whatever. I think the idea that, you know, musicians, actors, whoever they are, should just shut up and not talk about politics is ridiculous. Frankly, I think everyone that can should talk about politics and get involved and engaged and learn about it and encourage the people they know to learn about it. I think trying to tell people, stick to what you're doing, is stupid, you know. Um, it's it's just elitism, really. Like, you know, what, because he's a rapper, that means he's not allowed to, like, ever express political opinions? Girl, shut up. Anyway... It got worse um, because <laughs> he then tweeted, I set trends, damn man copy, which is a Stormzy lyric. Firstly, I want the name and the badge of whatever social media intern told him it was a good idea to tweet this because... really bitch it was ridiculousness so <laughs> the mess continues um probably one of the bigger things that's happened this week um andrew neil from the bbc 
has been doing a series of interviews with party leaders. Um, the Probably the most notable was the one with Jeremy Corbyn. Um, it was a bit of a rough time for Jay Corbs. Um, I mean, there was a lot of rough moments, but I'd say arguably the hardest was probably when he was questioned on anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Um, that has been an ongoing problem for Labour. Um, a lot of people feel Jeremy Corbyn could be doing more and could have acted sooner. Um, Andrew Neil, the particular moment Andrew Neil asked him if he wanted to apologise to the Jewish community and Jeremy Corbyn just kind of repeated the we're going to make everyone equal and we're going to help people and support people line. He didn't, he didn't specifically say, I'm sorry. And I think that was a mistake because yes, you can argue he has apologised before, but A, would it have killed him to just say those two words again, I'm sorry, and B... He's just handed an own goal to, like, every critic of his. Because now everyone's just like, oh, Jeremy Corbyn didn't say sorry. He wouldn't say it. So it's like, who is advising this guy? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Um, so I think part of the problem is that a lot of people are frustrated because all they're really hearing is the same line over and over. Jeremy is a lifelong anti-racist. We're going to support all minorities. We're not going to let anybody, you know, be attacked or whatever. And it's like, but you've said this over and over and, you know, <laughs> I... Oh. When do, when do people get something more? I think that's where people fr people's frustration lies and I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, so that was a bit of a kerfuffle. And the kerfuffle got worse because the BBC News press team tweeted, because um, they announced two more interviews with Joe Swinson and Nigel Farage, that guy. Um, <laughs> and... A lot of people were asking them, well, when's Boris Johnson going to be interviewed? And they responded on social media by saying, for those asking when Boris Johnson's interview will take place, we're in ongoing discussions with his team, but we haven't yet been able to fix a date. So they've done this series of leaders interviews, but they don't appear to have actually pinned down anything to interview Boris Johnson. Which, to be quite honest, makes me think he's going to give some excuse about not being available and he will not then be interviewed, which means he will not be held accountable. He will not have the same scrutiny as the other leaders have had. I mean, uh, <laughs> Labour came out after that comment and said that they had been told that Boris Johnson had already been booked in and was going to be interviewed and that's why Labour agreed to be part of it. Um, 
So, I mean, it seems very messy. You would expect an, uh, you know, an organisation like the BBC to have that shit on lock and not make a rookie mistake, like saying, we're going to interview all the leaders. Oh, but we forgot to, like, book in the Prime Minister. That that seems a bit basic. I, I, I don't know how that has happened really um I do think it's a bit unfair on the other party leaders because obviously they would have gone into this in good faith and now whether it was on purpose or not they have really been misled because they thought you know we're being held to the same scrutiny as everyone else and now that's not the that's not the case because to be quite honest, it's unlikely that Boris Johnson is going to do this interview, like, realistically speaking. Um, so, uh, that was a mess. Um, let's see what else has been going on. Um, oh, God, the NHS thing. Yeah, so uh, the NHS is obviously a big part of this election. A lot of people are concerned about the future of the National Health Service and what's going to happen. Because as it all turns out, people like having healthcare because uh, it's quite good. Um, the Labour Party had a bit of a, a win. They <laughs> they held a very dramatic press conference so that they could expose documents that they had obtained that, according to them, show that the NHS will be on the table for trade talks with the United States. And that has concerned a lot of people because a lot of people don't want for the National Health Service to be, you know, further privatised or to have, um, you know, parts of it sold off or parts of it um, out of public control, as it were. Um, and so a lot of people are concerned about that. Boris Johnson did say there will be absolutely no sale of the NHS. The NHS is not on the table in any way. But Boris Johnson says a lot of things. So, I mean, it's quite possible that he's lying. Um, speaking of Boris, again, our beloved Prime Minister. Um, the Conservative candidate for Luton South made a statement calling on Boris Johnson to apologise for Islamophobia in the Conservative Party, stating that the Conservatives have a blind spot when it comes to Muslims. Um, I think that's a fair comment. Um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> fair enough, really. And I, I, I do think that it is brave to to call out your own party and and to talk about the realities that um marginalized groups will feel about your party i think that takes a lot of bravery um and honestly not only do i hope that people who have been affected by Islamophobia in the Conservatives get an apology but I hope that there is reform I hope that you know there is action taken because people 
do not deserve to have to worry about what will happen if a certain party gets elected. People shouldn't have to worry about their potential elected officials being prejudiced against them. Um, it's the same situation as with the Labour Party and anti-Semitism. Um, you know, people shouldn't have to worry, you know, if I vote for this candidate, are they somebody that looks at someone like me and is prejudiced? You know what I mean? Um, I think certainly both the major parties have a lot of work to do. Um, I think a lot of the smaller parties as well really every party should be making sure that, you know, racists are not put into positions of power or even allowed membership. But it seems a lot of them are struggling with that. So <laughs> so what I'm doing is I'm doing these election updates like throughout the week in bits and pieces so I can make sure I'm bringing you the most up-to-date shenanigans. <laughs> I've just... Uh, at the time of recording this segment, it's Friday. I have just watched the um, the BBC debate that they had uh, this evening. Um, apparently, a lot of parties didn't feel like actually sending their leaders. Um, <laughs> Labour, the Conservatives and the Greens didn't actually send their leader. Oh, and the Brexit party as well. Um... So that was a little weird. Um, most of the debate was <laughs> Richard Tice from the Brexit party yelling at people and just behaving with sort of a lack of manners, really. I mean, maybe he was trying to hide the fact that his party doesn't really seem to have any policies beyond Brexit and planting trees, but it was very, very cringe. Um... I'd say probably the people that came across best was Nicola Sturgeon of the SNP, Adam Price from Plaid Cymru, um, Caroline Lucas for the Greens. Um, although considering the Greens have two leaders, I'm really not sure why they didn't send at least one of them, but there we are. Um, Joe Swinson came across okay, but what I did notice, I've seen this like meme on Twitter for weeks now about how Joe Swinson's accent changes when she talks. And now I get it. Like, I, I don't know, it was just like this moment, it just happened midway through a sentence and I was like, girl, what was that? Miss Thing, are you okay? But it happened, it was so weird. I don't know why she does it, but but she does. So that was that was interesting. Um I, it was a bit messy, but I mean I enjoyed the drama, I'm not gonna lie. Um and speaking of debates, Channel 4 had a climate change debate on Thursday, um, and they insisted on party leaders, they wouldn't take any replacements, so <laughs> Uh, Nigel Farage of the Brexit Party and Boris Johnson of the Conservatives didn't show up. Um, and so they, uh, they were replaced by ice sculptures. 
Uh, so shout out to Channel 4 for their top trolling. That was great. Uh, the Conservatives did send Michael Gove and Boris Johnson's dad, um, neither of which were allowed on air because it was supposed to be leaders only. And Michael Gove threw a tantrum and has now been whinging about it on Twitter for several hours because he is the king of cringe. That's that's his job now, apparently. Um, it's just... Christ, it was such a mess. And the, the Conservatives also... Um, sort of subtly but not really threatened to review Channel 4's broadcasting licence because of it. And it's like, well, Boris could have gone to the debate. He could have. Like, what was he doing on a Thursday evening that he couldn't go? You know, this is a problem of your own making. If Channel 4 make fun of you for not being asked to turn up, that's that's really your problem, not theirs. And it just, it seems very sort of petty and kind of a little bit fash to be like oh we're not gonna let you broadcast because you made fun of us like what the fucking hell is that it's just a bit pathetic really but um <laughs> so it's been a big week of debates this week um and lots of lots of cringe moments from those debates I imagine that's going to continue throughout this messy, messy period, but we will see. Talking to yourself is the first sign of madness. Every morning, listen closely. Lately, the sky is so full of things that I want to tell you. Misty-eyed moments, excruciatingly aware of how entrenched I am, all aglow. Gloomy but glamorous no more. Awash with ecstatic exclamations and the deepest kind of trouble. Not regretting it one bit. To go back to what I was saying earlier about adapting to life in which you actually get what you want. For me, one of the weirdest things, and I talked about this a little bit last week, um, is when you can actually um, express how you feel and, I mean, I'm struggling with that knowing that I can talk openly about my feelings and my 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 hopes and expectations and my 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 thoughts about you know things in my life Knowing that, you know, I <laughs> I can actually do that is very weird for me because that is not something that really happens a lot. 
If I could sum up my feels at this time, it would be the bit in um, Dinny by Blondie where Debbie Harry just goes off in French. Like that. But like in a language I can actually talk. Or you can find me on social media with the username Miss J Squared on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Rumble, Reddit, YouTube, everywhere really. Um, if you want to support the show, then you can um, through Patreon or one-off PayPal and uh, coffee donations. Uh, the details for all that are in the description below. Um, and you can get lots of exclusive fun things. Um, so if you want to do that, you can. Thank you to my friends over at Patreon. Amanda, Kylie, Melissa, Anna, Sam, Katie, Christina, Josie, Gabriella, David and Eleanor. Thanks very much for listening and I'll see you next week. Good night, my love.